Fine. Everybody come to the breakfast club. I call this the hot seat. <laughs> You're wild. You're wild. Can I live? You are out of control. I can't even deal with you. Y'all are so petty. Why are y'all so petty? The world's most dangerous morning show. DJ Envy. Captain of this bitch. Angela Yee. I stay in everybody's business, but in a good way. Charlemagne the God. The ruler rubbing you the wrong way. The Breakfast Club. Ain't for everybody. Yo 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 Good morning, Angela Yee. Hey, fam. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. It's Tuesday. What's happening on this fine Tuesday morning? Doesn't sound as good as it's Friday. No, it doesn't. But you know, we almost there. We got three more days. It's all about how you look at things. Yeah, you know? well, I'm going to tell everybody, if you're up this morning and you're just waking up, maybe you got a, uh, your alarm clock set to 6 a.m. and the breakfast club is on, give yourself a little extra time to get gas. Because, again, I had to put $10 you're worth gonna of gas You're going to start having to get gas on the way home. You know what? I'll be forgetting. So yeah, I had you to better put, start you know, doing that the night before, yeah, the day before. You got put, all day to do it the day before, I know, bro. but you'll be forgetting. I put $10 of gas in my car just to get to work. No, I did that on Sunday. On Sunday, I knew, because um, you know, I flew to South Carolina Saturday, and I knew I only had like uh, less than three quarters of a tank. So I drove to the gas station on Sunday just so I didn't have to do that Monday morning. I'd be calculating. I'd be like, well, the, the car says Mm-mm. 21 Mm-mm. miles left to empty, but it's 23 Mm-mm. miles to get to work. I wonder, I wonder if Mm-mm. I could make it. See, the thing about radio, especially morning radio, just like football, it's a game of inches in the morning. <laughs> okay, five minutes can have you late. Five minutes can throw your whole morning off. You don't got time for that. Well, I get here about 35 minutes early. Well, yeah, you live six minutes away. And you just started coming back. Stop lying. <laughs> I get here early, so, you, you know. You can skip to work, Even before yeah. for the past 11 years. I don't remember before that. Before this. Do you remember that? I Andy? get here early. Like, I don't it, know. She has a very revisionist history memory. It's amazing <laughs> how she can make herself seem like she's better than everybody in the I room. I get here early because, you know, if you're right on time, you late. The same okay? time as we all do. No, I don't. Okay. Y'all know, y'all know better. Let's start keeping track. Now we're going to start keeping track. <laughs> how are you going to okay? keep track? You're not even here. What are you talking about? By what time I get in? We will. You got the cameras. You can see when time you get in. <laughs> all right. Because you know you got to scan your car. When you scan your car. Oh, matter of fact, all we got to do is ask Coach. Coach, what time you get here every morning? What's the average? I, I know y'all don't think that I get here the same time as y'all. You do. Stop it. I ain't, asked, I ain't check. I don't think these cameras work, I, honestly. No, they, they, they Y'all not going to sit up here and lie. No, they definitely Because you know either. if you on time, you late. All right. Well, let's get the show cracking. We got mm-hmm. some special guests joining us Who this morning. Uh, we have Ludacris. Luda will be Luda. joining us. He, it only got like a GIF commercial or something yes. that he's debuting. Well, yes, we'll be de- debuting that this morning right after our interview. Yep, and we have some uh, motivational speakers joining us. They're huge in the motivational game. Started off uh, doing radio and well, it, yeah, huge, 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 huge I mean, success, you know, success to him and his family. Les Brown, I first heard of Les Brown uh, on the oh, 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 Tom joined the morning show. I was like, what the you hell know, is that? Exactly. But mm-hmm. y'all, you New Yorkers are so in a bubble. It's sad. We are. But, uh, and his son, John. John Leslie Brown will be joining him this morning, but Leslie uh, Les Brown is a motivational speaker, mm-hmm. and uh, his son is following in his footsteps. So Les, Les Brown will be joining be married us this to Gladys morning. Knight also. Just throwing that I out mean, there. Yeah, for two years. <laughs> yeah. Do, do they have kids? Yeah, always talk about that. Uh, I don't know. I don't think they had any kids. They have any kids? All right. Well, let's get the show cracking. Front page news. What are we talking about? Well, let's talk about what is happening in Afghanistan. All right. We'll get into that next. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. Let's get some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? 
Well, let's start with what is happening in Afghanistan. The Taliban have seized power in Afghanistan. It's two weeks before the United States was supposed to complete their troop withdrawal after a two-decade war. Now, California Rep. Barbara Lee, she's a Democrat. She was the only member of Congress to vote against the 2001 resolution that launched America's longest war, said that the Taliban's swift takeover is proof that there is no military solution, unfortunately, in Afghanistan. She said, we've been there for 20 years. We spent over a trillion dollars, and we've trained over with 300,000 of the Afghan forces. Now, uh, Joe Biden was speaking yesterday, and one of the things that he talked about was the deal that Donald Trump made with the Taliban last year uh, that was supposed to actually get our troops out of there. Here's what he had to say. I inherited a deal that President Trump negotiated with the Taliban. Under his agreement, U.S. forces would be out of Afghanistan by May 1, 2021. U.S. forces had already drawn down during the Trump administration from roughly 15,500 American forces to 2,500 troops in country. And the Taliban was at its strongest militarily since 2001. The choice I had to make was either to follow through on that agreement or be prepared to go back to fighting the Taliban. I stand squarely behind my decision. Now, Joe Biden also admitted that he did not expect this to happen so quickly with the insurgents storming across the country and capturing all the major cities in a matter of days. This did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. So what's happened? Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. The Afghan military collapsed, sometime without trying to fight. If anything, the developments of the past week reinforced that ending U.S. military involvement in Afghanistan now was the right decision. American troops cannot and should not be fighting in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight for themselves. All right. Well, what is about to happen next in Afghanistan? We don't know that. The Taliban said they want to form an inclusive Islamic government with other factions. They are negotiating with senior politicians, including leaders in the former government, and they have pledged to enforce Islamic law. But they say they will provide a secure environment for the return of normal life after decades of war. But a lot of Afghans distrust the Taliban. They fear their rule will be violent and oppressive. Here is what Joe Biden says the plan is for right now. I was asked to authorize, and I did, 6,000 U.S. troops to deploy to Afghanistan for the purpose of assisting in the departure of U.S. and allied civilian personnel from Afghanistan and to evacuate our Afghan allies and vulnerable Afghans to safety outside of Afghanistan. Our troops are working to secure the airfield and ensure continued operation of both the civilian and military flights. We're taking over air traffic control. We have safely shut down our embassy and transferred our diplomats. Over the coming days, we intend to transport out thousands of American citizens who've been living and working in Afghanistan. Man, if F those people, that's not our problem anymore, was a person. Okay. Well, they've been trying to withdraw these troops for several years now. And like you said, this was a plan that was already put in place that Donald Trump uh, signed a deal with the Taliban that limited U.S. military action against them. So now the last troops should be leaving by the end of the month. And what does the Taliban takeover mean for women? That is one thing that is a major concern. Afghan women have made a lot of gains since the overthrow of the Taliban. Many of them are concerned that they'll be again confined to their homes. And the Taliban have said they are no longer opposed to women attending school, but they have not set out a clear policy on what women's rights will be. Now, Joe Biden also says that we will use deadly force if attacked. As we carry out this departure, we have made it clear to the Taliban, if they attack our personnel, 
or disrupt our operation, the U.S. presence will be swift and the response will be swift and forceful. We will defend our people with devastating force if necessary. Our current military mission, get our people and our allies to safely as quickly as possible. And once we have completed this mission, we will conclude our military withdrawal. We will end America's longest war. This shows that uh, packaging and presentation is all that matters. What you mean? Because it doesn't matter what you inherited from Trump. You're the president. Now, if you wanted to keep those soldiers in place, you could have, but you didn't want to. And that's fine. But in pulling out, you know, millions of Afghanistanian people will die. And yeah. Joe is clearly fine with that. You know, those people die. He's clearly fine with those people but it's, dying. There's two it, sides of that, though. You know, I would love to talk to the troops uh, during Get It Off Your Chest because, you know, you're, you're an American troop. You go over there and you see their military fleeing and leaving. And now you're risking your life for another country's military that's leaving. But oh, on the other listen, side, I'm not. I don't disagree. Joe Biden said it the best. If y'all not willing to fight for yourselves, we can't fight for you no more. Right? You know what I'm saying? But they're I'm saying just saying they trained their troops for the past 20 years for them to be able to fend for themselves. And if they're not willing to fight for themselves, then American troops should not be fighting in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to do for themselves. All I'm saying is, if that was Trump in office, they would be calling him a monster. They would be saying he had no compassion, no empathy. But when Biden does it. People understand. Well, Trump withdrew a whole lot of the troops before this already and signed the deal with the Taliban. Absolutely. But if he would have withdrew them in this way and this would have happened under his watch, they'd be calling him a monster and saying he had no empathy, you know, but and no compassion. But when Biden does it, people understand. All right. Well, get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, phone lines are wide open. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Good morning. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed, 800 585 1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. <laughs> Hello, who's this? What up? This is Andre Glenn uh, or Staff Sergeant Glenn, that is. Hey, Staff Sergeant, man. So you're a vet. So what are your thoughts on Afghanistan, brother? I think it's time for us to go. You know, um, those are good people over there. Uh, at the same time, that's one of the longest wars that have been going on since the beginning of time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that it's appropriate for us to leave because you got our troops over there. And we are the world's police. And I'm not sure if it's time for us to continue to be the world's police. That's, no, it's not. Especially when we don't, we don't even got our own stuff together in our own country. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, bro. And we appreciate I, I, your time. I, I just want, I wonder what happened to all them like Afghanistan allies that was fighting with the U.S. troops over there. I wonder what happened to them. Mm-hmm. Hello, who's this? Yo, what's happening, man? This is Bill. Bill, what's up? Get it off your chest, Bill. Look, man, check it out. I need y'all. I need Charlemagne to sit down and shut the heck up forever. Let me tell you, as an American troop, we served overseas. A lot of our uh, wars we got going over there. We don't deserve to be over there. And I totally agree with you, Envy. We should, we should let the people have a country, do what they need to do. Because there's no way in the world I'll take a bullet for one of them who don't want to stand up for their own. Yeah, but who, 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 said, who said I disagree with that? I don't disagree with that. I'm just simply saying that if Trump oh. was in office, they'd be saying he's a monster and he had no empathy and he had no compassion for pulling know, out like that. that. That's the concern. So what? Yeah. you were stationed in Afghanistan? Yes, I was part of a special operations unit. I went to Afghanistan. I've been to Saudi. I've been all over those countries. Up and I even served at the border of North Korea and South Korea, watching when they're shooting missiles over the peninsula of Japan and stuff like that. Let me tell you something, man. Americans got a problem 
we always go and get in other people's war when they were doing this stuff way before That's right. we even thought about going to war. I just so said that in the room. Mess up their stuff? We the world's police for no damn reason, and we can't even police our own country the proper way. Well, thank you for your service, sir. Thank you. Hello, who's this? Hey, this is Gary. Hey, Gary, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Get it off your chest. I know you, you, you said you don't agree with withdrawing, withdrawing the troops. No, I don't agree with the manner in which we withdrew. Um, I just feel like I kind of feel complacent within myself because I feel like I lost plenty of friends um, and we've gained so much ground and to have it all taken back, it's kind of like a slap in the face. How do you feel that, th that their troops are not fighting, withdrawing, their president's out of town and and, and, and we're still there fighting? Some of the uh, Afghan army that I served with, uh, they were very brave, courageous uh, young individuals, and but the majority, a lot of them, well, Joe Biden said he well, said in the tweets yesterday the they was never there to do any nation building in right. Afghanistan. So they were there for pretty much revenge. That's it. it that's, what I, that's what I was saying. I wonder what happened to the uh, Afghan soldiers who were fighting, you know, side by side with the U.S. soldiers. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or black. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hello, who's this? Derek. Derek from Brooklyn. Derek, good morning. What's up? Get it off your chest, bro. Yeah, man. I'm like, I'm just... Completely frustrated with all of these senators, you know. Everybody that they can't give us free health care. They can't, you know, they can't solve homelessness. Like, they don't worry about any of our real problems. But we have money to, you know, fund them, the uh, uh, military industrial complex in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. 20 years we've been over there. We, we, we're pretty much doing nothing. We wasn't, like, uh, helping 300,000 military people. We were just sending money over there. Like they were just taking the money, pretty much doing nothing. Meanwhile, over here on our soil, people are struggling and nothing is happening. Like people need to wake up. We need to vote these people out of the government, man, because they are just, they don't care. They don't care. Like Charlamagne had the best thank you the other day for Chuck Cory Booker the other day. The, the, all the senators, literally all of them need to get it. All of them, because they don't care. And, and, and all of them right now, they are just just as ready to just go back to war for no reason. And it's going to just be doing the same thing, right? Everything that happened in Afghanistan is everything Eisenhower warned us about. Everything Eisenhower warned us about. And it's just ready to happen all over again. People need to wake up. We need to vote these senators out, man. We need to take control of our government and vote for people who actually care and who are ready to actually do something. Well, I hope. That's I want to get off my chest, man. Well, I hope when we do, I hope when we do go to vote, we can, <laughs> because because our voting rights are being stripped away too. I hope we do, man. People, learn your right to vote. Vote for the right people, man. Chuck Schumer been in Congress for how long? He voted for the war in Afghanistan, and, but he'll tell you that he cares. But he doesn't, man. Yo, those people will tell their Democrats all around. But they do not care. We need to vote these people out, man. Vote these people out. Thank you, Derek. Hello, who's this? Price calling from Detroit. I'm from the South, man. I'm from the from the South. I'm from the 803, South Carolina. The man. Metro. All right, brother. Get it off your chest, man. Man, what happened to all the rap groups? Like, I feel like the Migos is the only rap groups we got. Like, what happened to the, the Gucci and the Waka? It's like you had 
Gucci Remember and that? Waka was never no group. Like we got we got uh little John and the East Side Boys. You got Ray Shmermit. You got Ray you got Ray Shmermit. You got the Migos. Who else? You got the City Girls. City Girls, yeah. Who else we got? I can't think of another rap group. You got Griselda. They're not a rap group. Are they a rap? You consider them a group? Are they a group? They're a crew. I don't consider them a group. Nah, they're a group. Nah, they're not a with Eminem. They did came out with a, a, a. Nah, they're not a group. I consider them a crew, not a group. There's definitely need more rap groups in the game right now, bro. It's like we just got single artists out there doing individually. We need more groups. I miss, I miss the group days. I miss Put a ring on it. You still got the locks. Don't act like, you know, you still got the locks. Yeah, you still, still got group. the locks. Yeah, just seen the locks. A couple days ago. They old school, though. We need the new generation of groups. They not old school. They classic. Timeless. They're vintage. All right, brother. Well, thank you, man. We talk about Afghanistan. There's always one guy, but like, hey, all that. But what about the rap groups? There's always yeah, man, everybody got their own issues and their own concerns. I'm not mad at them. That's the beauty of the world that we live in. You're right. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. Now, we got rumors on the way? Yes, and let's talk about this lawsuit for Halle Berry. Imagine someone tells you they're going to give you a job, and then they don't. Can you sue for that? We'll tell you what happened. All right. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Well, Halle Berry is being sued by a former UFC fighter, Kat Zingano, and this is over a movie role, according to the lawsuit which TMZ obtained. Kat says she met with Halle Berry back in July of 2019. She was talking about a movie that Halle Berry was directing called Bruised, and Halle Berry told her she was perfect for the project. She then said she was told to keep her schedule clear because film production was on the horizon. And then UFC, they came calling with a big fight offer after that. Now, she said she talked to Halle Berry about the fight offer. Halle Berry advised that she pass on the fight because you want to be in this movie. You can't be working and fighting. It was an agonizing decision for Kat. Is she going to go do the movie or is she going to do this UFC fight? But ultimately, she turned down the fight. She got released from her contract from the UFC. And then she told Halle Berry and Halle said that she could no longer put her in the movie because it had to be somebody who was currently in the UFC. <laughs> so she should have got a carve out from the UFC. The UFC should have carved it out for her to be able to go shoot the film, which the UFC should have wanted because it would only make you know this person a bigger star. I mean, so is there a basis for a lawsuit? She's suing for damages. She said she relied on this promise and ended up getting nothing. Not the if movie the prom- rolling out. She's no longer in the UFC. The but pro- it's a decision that you make, right? And if the promise wasn't on paper, it don't matter. Yeah, it's not it's like not they, renege- they didn't renege on a promise that was on paper. But what about an oral agreement? Who's who, who there you, to hear that? I don't know. Maybe yes. she has text messages. Who knows? But I Maybe also you feel can like your mind, though, right? Can't I, you change your mind? Yeah, and I also feel like you had a decision to make. You could have said... No, I'm going to find the UFC and see what happens here. And why would she be talking to Holly Berry directly about that movie? Wouldn't well, she, she talk- said they met to talk about the movie, and she told us she was perfect for it. So maybe she was trying to cast it. They met each other because of it. But then... And not for nothing, if if I'm in Hollywood, would I hire you again if, if this is what you do? What? Sue people for <laughs> not doing movies or something didn't go your way? Listen, there's nothing wrong with suing people. Let's be clear. But I'm just saying, <laughs> is, the, is there a, a basis for this a basis lawsuit? For this one? I yeah. don't, I don't know. To be honest with you, I just don't know. Well, we'll see. All right, and Fox has released a trailer for a new TV show that they're doing. It premieres September 21st. It's called Our Kind of People. By the way, Morris Chestnut is in this. Yaya DaCosta. 
Um, Lance Gross is in it as well, and Lee Daniels is executive producer. But it's basically based in Martha's Vineyard, and it's inside America's black upper class. It takes place in the aspirational community of Oak Bluffs, where the rich and powerful black elite have come to play for over 50 years. So that trailer is out. Uh, now, and Tasha Smith actually directed the series premiere. Yeah, they asked me to be Morris's uh, brother in the film. No, they didn't. That's a damn lie. I got a lot of other commitments. I saw Maris Chest- a Morris Chestnut join, uh, join TikTok. Oh, I did. I'm about to post my video. Yeah, shut up, man. I am. Yo, shut <laughs> up, Morris man. Morris stop. He's offended. <laughs> All right, now let's discuss uh, verses. Who are some people you want to see in verses? Well, it looks like uh, DJ Paul is seemingly teasing a battle between 3-6 Mafia and Bone Thugs in Harmony. That'd be he hard. posted on social media, what are we discussing? And then he added uh, Crazy Bone, Swizz, and Timbaland. That'd be hard. I heard that was supposed to happen last year, uh, though. Didn't they do that? No, they didn't do it. But it was supposed to happen, mm. but I don't know what, what, what came about. But that'd be hard. Bone Thugs and 3-6? Right. You know, according to what happened before, they said uh, it was it was set to take place, and then it didn't happen. Crazy Bone later said it was, uh, he backed down because of the temperature of what was going on in the world. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, because it was around last summer. It was about 30 minutes before they were supposed to go live. Oh, wow. And then it didn't happen. All right, now, Dreamville and TDE, could that be a versus? Would y'all like to see that one? Well, Boz was recently talking to DJ Charisma, and here's what he had to say. Dreamville would do a versus. Who do you think would be a worthy competitor for Dreamville? I mean, it's got to be TDE, right? That's family, but it'd be it'd be good competition. Yeah, that'd be a phenomenal versus for the last, you know, 10 years of hip-hop. You know what I mean? Like they, they they both have contributed incredibly to the last ten years of hip hop. They got young legends over there. That'd be great. All right, and Damon Wayans. This was uh, last week. He talked about who he would like to go against in the verses. Here's what he said: Have you been watching verses? No, I have not. You haven't got into verses? No. Do they do it with comedians? They should. Who would you go against? <gasps> Chappelle. I'm calling them out. That'd be a good one. That'd be an amazing one. And anybody that thinks otherwise must be 20-something years old, 30-something years old, and don't know how funny Damon Wayans is. Uh, Damon Wayans probably has, out of any sketch comedy show, he probably has the most classic characters of any one individual. Because mm-hmm. you think Absolutely. of it living color, you got Homie the Clown, you got Handyman, he was one of the men on film. Um, he played the dude in prison who used to use all those big words right. wrong. Mm-hmm. Damon Wayans is hilarious. Y'all crazy. All right, now The Weeknd's Blinding Lights is now the longest charting Billboard Hot 100 song of all time. Did you know that? I did not. Yes, so previously he was uh, tied with Imagine Dragons Radioactive at 87 weeks, but now he is the longest ever, 88 weeks on the Billboard Hot 100. Congratulations to The Weeknd. And Jim Jones is giving a serious COVID PSA because after doing that whole versus, I'm not going to lie, I was like... Was there any type of protocol here at Madison Square Garden's Hulu Theater in New York? Because there was a lot of people on that stage. I saw Fat Joe wearing his mask, but I didn't see too many masks. Well, he did post this. COVID is real. You heard? I was running around here thinking I was Superman. And COVID knocked the socks off Superman. So I urge and encourage everybody, please continue to mask up. Please continue hand sanitize, social distance as much as you can. I really felt it. And I don't want nobody to feel like how I felt. You know what I mean? I'm not in charge of the FDC or anything. I, I'm not here to tell you to go get your vaccination. I'm just here to tell you to take care of yourself because it is very real. And I'm grateful 
that I'm back to getting healthy. I'll see y'all soon. I'm glad Jim is healthy. Yeah, he said he was contemplating whether or not he would post it, but he felt like it was important to talk about. What's the FDC, though? Is that kind of like the CDC mixed with the FDA? That's an actual organization? No, I just... <laughs> oh, I didn't know. I was, I was asking a question. I, didn't I don't know. know. I don't know. I think he meant the CDC. Oh, okay. No, we understood what you meant. <laughs> yeah, we know what he meant. All right, well, that is your rumor report. All right, we got front page news next. What are we talking about? Yes, and uh, let's talk about these booster shots since we're talking about COVID being real. Are you going to take that and will yes. it be available for you? Oh. All right, we'll get to it next. It's <laughs> The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. What up, what up, what up? It's DJ MV and the General Insurance is all about flexible with their flexible payment plans and the ability to choose your payment date. Get the quality coverage you deserve at prices you can afford. Go 800-GENERAL or go to thegeneral.com. Some restrictions apply. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, top health officials in the Biden administration are now trying to figure out an agreement that most Americans should get COVID booster shots eight months after becoming fully vaccinated. So they're saying, I think it's like eight to 12 months. The plan is still being developed, but that would involve administering third shots beginning in mid to late September. And that is also pending authorization from the FDA. A lot of companies have also submitted data to support the use of booster doses for their vaccines. So you can imagine the first people will be the healthcare workers and nursing home patients since they were the first to get their original shots. They expect that they'll be the first to receive those boosters as well as, as the older populations. They were also at the front of the line for the first vaccinations. You going to get yours? Booster? Yep. Goddamn right. Right. I so. remember I was one of the ones waiting at the, the pharmacy for my, my shot. Yeah, I'm going to get my booster shot. I'm not playing any games, man. I, I'm seeing how this is affecting people. I'm seeing the percentage of people that are dying opposed to the people that have the shot. I'm seeing the people that are being hospitalized that don't that are not vaccinated. I'm, you know, like I said, I'm doing what's best for me. And what's best for me is to get the vaccination well, or the booster shot. When the FDA approves uh, these shots for use other than emergency authorization, you'll see a lot more people going to get vaccinated. All right, now let's talk about Joe Biden defending his administration's decision to continue with the U.S. military drawdown in Afghanistan. And he uh, is basically saying, you know, it was about that time. And by the end of this month, we should have all troops out. I saw uh, he's standing squarely behind his decision. He said, after 20 years, I've learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. Now, the Taliban, their spokesperson, Suhal Shaheen, has uh, talked about what's going on and, and what people are saying here in the United States because we're concerned about what's happening with the women there. Is there going to be a return to where women will have uh, limited rights, where they won't be able to attend school? Will they be confined to their homes again? And here is what Suhal Shaheen has to say about these allegations about what's going to happen in Afghanistan now. The Afghan ambassador says the Taliban is carrying out mass executions of military personnel and targeted killings of civilians in Kandahar and Kabul. What is your response to these allegations that your forces are committing these atrocities? These allegations are totally baseless, totally wrong. They are the propaganda spread by our opponents to, uh, in order to mislead the opinion of the world against us. All right. Donald Trump had last year signed an agreement with the Taliban, and that was a plan to pull out and also limit U.S. military action against them. And then Joe Biden announced the last troops would leave by the end of August. 
So as you can imagine, they already knew this timeline was coming. So the Taliban was prepared and ready for this takeover. The president of Afghanistan has fled. And yeah, you know, basically the United States has been there for 20 years, our longest war. Now here is what the spokesperson for the Taliban, Suha Shaheen, has to say about other things that are being said about what's going on with this Taliban takeover in Afghanistan. We have been hearing messages from people who are saying that the Taliban and their fighters have gone house to house looking for people who worked alongside the Americans, who worked as translators, and in some cases, taking young women and children as brides for their fighters. Are you denying those allegations? Yes, I totally deny. If someone goes from door to door and they are opposing as Taliban, they are not Taliban. All right. So people are fleeing the country. And I saw that there was a viral video that shows people hanging off the airplane, uh, falling off the airplanes as they're taken off. People are, are fearful right now. They're worried the country could descend into chaos or that the Taliban could carry out revenge attacks against people who worked with the Americans or with the government of Afghanistan. People are scared that the Taliban will reimpose the harsh interpretation of Islamic law that they relied on. Back then, women were barred from attending school. They couldn't work outside the home. They had to wear, uh, be covered head to toe. They had to be accompanied by a male relative whenever they went outside. They banned music. They cut off the hands of thieves. They stoned adulterers. But now the Taliban is trying to present themselves as a more moderate force in recent years. They said they won't exact revenge, but a lot of people in Afghanistan are skeptical of those promises. Yeah, and nobody's questioning whether America should leave. It's the how. Like, all this violence and instability could have been prevented. You still got thousands of Americans trapped on the ground there. You still got Afghan allies and partners on the ground there. And this really shows that packaging and presentation is all that matters because if Trump was in office right now, they'd be calling him a monster. They'd be saying he lacks empathy. They would be saying He's incompetent, but when Biden does it, uh, people can understand. Yeah, I mean, I see both sides. I just see that video of people tying themselves to the plane and, 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 and the plane taking off and and them falling out the sky. You know, I just think to myself, like, you know, they couldn't get those people off the plane before, make them people safe, you know, before they took off with people falling out the sky. That didn't look crazy. But you still got thousands of Americans trapped on the ground there right now. And they did send more troops over to try to make sure they can uh, secure the airport and get people out and bring them back. All right. Well, that is your front page news. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now, when we come back, we got some motivational speakers, a motivational family joining us this morning, right? That's right. Les Brown. Okay. And his son, John Leslie Brown, will be here. Mm -hmm. to, uh, to motivate us this morning. Leslie Brown is one of the number one most motivational speakers in the country. I used right. to listen to Les, Les Brown all the time on the Oh, 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 it's the Tom Joyner morning show. I know y'all ain't about to disrespect OG Tom Joyner. I didn't Joyner. say anything. Oh, okay. I'm just looking at we you. I thought Evan was getting into we the interview. be here if it wasn't for Tom Joyner. I agree with you. Okay. And we're about to start doing the boat rides just like that. That's too. right. <laughs> <laughs> nice safe boat rides. Nice <laughs> safe boat rides. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> All right, we'll get into it when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha God. We are The Breakfast Club. We have some special guests joining us this morning. That's right. World-renowned mm -hmm. motivational speaker, Mr. Yes, Les Brown. Yes, and uh, his son, John Leslie Brown. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's a plum-pleasing pleasure. As well as a privilege to be here, sir. Well, plum pleasing, pleasing pleasure. How do you please? How do you please the plum? How do you 
leave the plum, Mr. Brown. Do tell. Inject a little work up in here, up in here. <laughs> now tell the people who is Les Brown for folks who may not know. Well, I, I was born in a abandoned building on a floor with a twin brother in Liberty City. We were six weeks of age. We became foster kids, and then we were adopted. And when I was in fifth grade, I was labeled educable, mentally retarded, and put back from the fifth grade to the fourth grade. And <laughs> hold on, you can't. I don't think you can say that word no more. Can you? Can? He, he can. Labeled. That's can what he was labeled. I know, but yeah, now yeah. they say it's politically incorrect but to say. Back during that time, you kid. Yeah, right. I know. I just don't. And want you to can't just it. say yeah. it in conversation and like, oh, yes. Seven percent of the kids that are relegated to special education are African American males. Mm -hmm. That's you right. Know? And I, I fit that profile mm -hmm. and fell again when I was in the eighth grade. But I had a high school teacher that was very much like you guys who did a major interruption. Mm. He asked me to do something, to to work out a problem, and I told him I couldn't do it. And he said, why not? I said, I'm not one of his students. He said, do it anyhow. And I said, I can't, sir. And then the other students started laughing, saying, he's Leslie. He's got a twin brother, Wesley. Wesley's smart. He's DT. And he asked, what's DT? He's the dumb twin. And Damn I it, said, man. Yes, and I said, I am, sir. And he, he came from behind his desk. He said, don't you ever say that again. That's right. Someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. That's right. Yeah, and so that was a major disruption. We all have disruptions in our lives, and he disrupted the story that I believe about myself and the work, the work that I do is to help people to begin to create a different story for themselves. When you live in a culture that destroys your sense of self, and demonizes you and deny you. It causes you to really want to begin to work to overcome that mental conditioning and begin to carve out the life that you're supposed to live. And so that's what I've planted my feet on and start working on. My son, John Leslie, he's the president of the company and we've been working doing this for many years. I've been doing it for 51 years, I'm 77. So it's, it's been an exciting venture doing this kind of work all, all over the world. Can we dig a little deeper into the belief system that, you know, we all have of ourselves? Because Bishop T.D. Jakes gave a great sermon on this called um, uh, Hurdles to Wholeness. And he spoke about how, you know, other people's opinion, your, your, your growth is not predicated on other people's opinion. And he said it's all about the belief system you have of yourself. The belief systems are created between the ages of zero and five. We learn through conversations through observation, through experiences, and through things that we observe. And between zero and five, there's a voice that formulates in our heart, according to the most exhaustive study by Martin Seligman in a book called Learned Optimism, that says yes, or that voice says no. And it governs your choices, becomes a way in which you begin to view the world. What we have to do to get through it it's not just a conversation. We just did a training at the Rock Church in Queens. We create an experience mm. so that people can begin to get outside of their, their history and live out of their imagination because most people are not even aware of what's governing their choices and behavior. And so this gentleman, he was a speech and drama instructor, and he took a liking to me and he taught me three things that's very important. He said, in order to make it in life, number one, you have to develop your mind, that you don't get in life what you want, you get in life what you are. Mm. Number two, 
you have to practice the principle of OQP, only quality people. Yearn within two to three thousand dollars of your closest friends. People rub off on you. Academy Award winner Sidney Portier said, when you go for a walk with someone, something happens. Either you adjust to their pace or they adjust to your pace. Whose pace have you adjusted to? Mm. But the other thing that he said that's most important, that's really important today, he said, develop your communication skills because once you open your mouth, you begin to tell the world who you are. So when I was your age, I was a disc jockey. That's what I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. That was a major part of my life. And so he taught me how to begin to use my voice to penetrate, to get in, and to be able to make an impact in there. I used to be on radio here at BLS in LA, in Miami, Florida, mm -hmm. in Chicago. And then I went to, I became a community activist, state legislator because of my communication skills as, as well as being able to do specials for public television. But now um, I have a program called Hungry to Speak, Teaching Others. You learn, you earn, you pass it on. Teaching others how to take their ideas, their talents, and their skills and experiences and how to monetize them because we've gone from, as you're aware, from brick and mortar to click and order. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question. You talk about you raising and kids making fun of you and how you overcame it now, right? Do you feel like the world is a lot softer now? Because I don't think kids could stand what you went through as a child. No, I don't think the world is a lot softer now. I just think that the tools to destroy a person's sense of self are more powerful, and we've never seen them before. Right. You get album. bullied at home because people are online bullying you. It's not just it's in person. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. They have algorithms that can determine, but based upon when you go into a room, your eye movements. That's right. What your sexual orientation. They got things that can manipulate our thinking. Algorithms. So we've never been in this place before where we have instruments that know more about us than we know about ourselves. That's why what we have to do is pay more attention to discovering ourselves early on rather than just going through the indoctrination and allowing our kids to be indoctrinated in the school system. We have to interrupt that to help them to discover the truth of who they are so they can become an asset to society rather than a liability. My goal is to eliminate the virus before the pandemic, HIV, hood-infected virus, mm -hmm. AIDS, addiction to incarceration, and death syndrome. So we have an opportunity and the ability to impact people's lives now in a different kind of way and not just let the tools that are out there manipulate our minds and the children's minds. The people who created these instruments, they say they've been duped by it. They can't always figure it out. And it's evolving and becoming more sophisticated. You think you said it's machines that can detect your sexual orientation? Yes. The algorithms. They can, you can go, if you go into a room and there are people in the room, they watch your eye movements. They can determine whether or not you're a homosexual or bisexual just with your eye moving, these algorithms. Yes. I'm going to have to call Cap on this one, Les Bryant. I've never heard such a thing. I know it. All you need to do is look at the social dilemma. You I saw that see. movie. I, I ain't seen nothing about that. I ain't seen that part. Oh, man, man. I, you, we have to What's study. What's the name of the machine? 
It's it, the, the algorithm is better than this. Why, yeah, why you want to Because I don't regime? believe this. That's just crazy to say. Uh, uh, no, it is. It, it's crazy to believe that we can be targeted through behavioral marketing, and we are, and they can influence and tilt the scales on the choices that we make, and we think they're our choices, and those are choices that we have bought into. No, I agree with that, but I'm just saying a machine <laughs> that when you walk in the room, it scans your eyes, it can tell if you're sexual orientation. Let me look at me, Sean, yeah. man, let me see. <laughs> <laughs> that, that wasn't the right look, Sean. <laughs> I, I, I think the point that my dad is making, and he's... He's 77, but he's he knows how to work his iPhone, okay? okay, okay. He still has an A-track, yes. but he knows how to work his iPhone. Gotcha, and is that what we've seen in our generation is this, this rise of uh, mechanized intelligence. I agree. Right? Intelligence, mechanized yeah. intelligence. And a lot of times, I wouldn't say, DJ Envy, that the world is softer, mm -hmm. but you know what's lacking? Or, organic intelligence. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. And that's not always cultivated in educational environments. And the wonderful thing I love about my dad, he's a great father, and he's not just a role model, but he's an enrollment model. See, mm. a role model is someone that you can watch from afar and try to learn what they're applying. But an enrollment model will hold you accountable and pull things out of you that you did not even know was there. You have 10 kids. The Lord said, be fruitful and multiply. I took him seriously. <laughs> I see, I see. I see. You know I hate to go there. <laughs> yeah. See, when I was doing what you guys do, I was Les Brown, the man about town. LB, Triple P, there were none before me, and there will be none after me. Therefore, that makes me the one and only. Young and single and love to mingle. Certified, bona fide, dubitably qualified to bring you satisfaction and a whole lot of action. Look out, baby. I'm your love man. I'm hungry. That's that old diff jockey boy. Right there. All right, we got more with Les and John Leslie Brown. When we come back, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got some motivational speakers joining us today. We have Les and John Leslie Brown. Now, you were married to Gladys Knight, correct? I used to be the conductor of the Midnight Train. I was <laughs> one of I wasn't one of the pips. <laughs> so you used to be married to Gladys. How did you meet yeah. Gladys? At, at a concert <laughs> in Chicago. She was performing. She was performing. And you got your way backstage to holler. Yes. You a player player from the Himalayas. Tell us this Without story. Without any question. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us the story. I, I asked the person who brought me there, who was a PR person, I said, can you take me back to meet her? And she did. And and. And, and Gladys was very gracious, very beautiful person. Mm -hmm. And we had a conversation, there was chemistry. It's just like two people who've gotten together who've known each other forever. And, and ultimately, we married. And But our lives are going in two different directions. My life was taking off with public television, doing public television specials, raising funds for PBS and her life in the singing industry it was very strong and we we're passing each other like two ships in the night but just an incredible human being that i still love to this very day and have a great deal of respect for her yes so speak yes oh. 
Absolutely. What are some things you had to change and pivot during the pandemic when it comes to your work and public speaking and helping people? Because as you said, you want to help people throughout this pandemic kind of get back into the workforce and back into their lives and their groove. So what are some things that are different now? I'm not helping people get back into the workforce because I'm helping people to face the realization that the 40-40 the, the plan is gone, where you mm -hmm. go to college, graduate, get a job, work for 40 years, and retire on 40%, which wasn't enough in the first place. As I said earlier, we've gone from brick and mortar to click and right. order. So now we have to reinvent ourselves. Now you have to be an entrepreneur. There's this. There's no such thing as job security. Uh, the, uh, the late Peter Drucker said that this is the era of the three C's, accelerated change, overwhelming complexity, and tremendous competition. So we have to reinvent ourselves. This Les Brown that you now see was not the original Les Brown. I was, this was me. Mm -hmm. And I had to evolve to accommodate the area where I was going. But fortunately, because of my experience in radio, I developed a dimension about myself that I did not know that gave me an advantage as a public speaker. Aren't you glad there was no social media back then? Because if people saw the Les Brown back then, they may not take the Les Brown now seriously. They'd be like, I know that ain't the Les Brown trying to give us motivation. The Les Brown that was in the club with us, with all these women. I was, no, I would, no, it wasn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, keep it higher, my brother. No, no, and no. You was in New York on WBLS back in the day, you was out and about. That's right. No, I wasn't. Really? No, no, he. No. You know why? Let me tell you. I was you having why. events in all the boroughs, and I was a, a community activist. In fact, it was it was destiny that I came here mm. because when I came here, I thought it was to be able to be in the largest radio market on the planet. I read a newspaper article where General Norman Schwarzkopf and Harry Belafonte were diagnosed with prostate cancer. So I said, you know what? I told Oliver Sutton, I said, man, we should do a campaign to encourage African-American men to get a prostate examination. And so there was an African-American doctor who was interviewed and, and I called him, I said, would you be my guest? And he said, yes. And then he asked me when he was in, in the studio with me, he said, have you had a prostate examination? So I said, no. He said, don't ask people to do something you haven't done. Mm. Come on in and get the test. Mm -hmm. I came in and got the test. He called me two days later. He said, Mr. Brown, I need to see you in my office. I said, look, I'm a big boy. Tell me what's going on. He said, you have prostate cancer. Wow. My PSA was 2,400. One to four is normal. And it metastasized to seven areas of my body. Wow. And so fortunately, a brother by the name of Alfred Golson an oncologist from Howard University. Mm -hmm. I mean, he gave me 238 radiation seed implants. That brother saved my life. Wow. Yeah, they said that I was on the way out. And But he was a very strange guy. He said, let me say something to you. I said, what? You got prostate cancer. I said, okay. It's metastasized to seven areas of your body. I said, whoa. He said, why are you smiling? I said, man, I'm one of seven children. I was born February the 17th. Joshua marched around the walls of Jericho seven times. Naaman dipped himself in the river seven times, the River Jordan seven times. I said, is there anything else? He said, yeah. 
and you're ugly too. <laughs> I said, you didn't call me ugly. Man, that's malpractice. He said, but you got this. I never tell my patients that they're terminally ill. What I say is that my knowledge, my abilities, and my skills have terminated. Now it's on you and God to determine the prognosis. I determine the diagnosis. Mm. I'm gonna tell you what I can do, and then the rest of it is to you and God. And I'm glad that he he dealt with it like that, and he interrupted the fear that most people have because they see cancer as a death sentence. Your mm. mindset is very important, as well as having an alkaline body and 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 being a, a vegetarian, but your mindset is is major in activating and strengthening your immune system and having social support, which is the number one thing that helps you stay on the planet longer. Do you think we should be encouraging people to return to normal after after this pandemic, or should we be embracing a new normal? We will never be able to go back mm-hmm. to where we were because we don't know what this is. That's right. This is biological warfare, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. We have no clue about what this is. So what we have to do is ask people, one, to stop and think, how do I deal with this? You know, I just discovered my birth parents. Here I am, 77. I just saw for the first time a picture of my mother and my father. Wow. I've never seen that before. And so that's a major disruption. Two brothers that I didn't know I had. Mm. That was a major disruption. So I'm still processing that. We were talking about the last few weeks, all right? My birth mother, Dorothy Bell Rucker, has created a new narrative for me. When I had my talk show, my radio show, I would say, this has been Mrs. Mamie Brown's baby boy. Now I have to say, this has been Mrs. Mamie Brown's baby boy and Dorothy Bell Rucker's pride and joy. I've got two mothers and I'm not ashamed. I've got two mothers and I love them just the same. And so I now have an expanded narrative about who I am and what caused me to be the come, become the kind of person I am because Dorothy Bell Rucker was a motivational speaker, teacher, educator, and Beulah Rucker, who had a relationship with Mary McLeod Bethune, she was an educator, she was a motivational speaker. They have a museum in her name, the, the Beulah Rucker Museum in Gainesville, Georgia. And so that's the lineage that I came out of that I had no clue that I was not aware of. Can, can, you, can you tell us, give us a little backstory on why you just discovered who your parents were? Because I'm adopted. Okay. And so my oldest son did a search through one of those organizations that mm-hmm. check your DNA. Like 23andMe or? Yeah, those types of organizations. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and found and discovered where they were, where they were born. And then fortunately, look at God, the lady that he called and was talking to to help me find my birth parents, they continue to talk. And she, she asked, what's your father's name? And said, Les Brown. Mm. Well, this DNA matches for Calvin Randolph. Well, my birth father's name was Doc Oliver Randolph. And she said, your father's my first cousin. Wow, look at God. <laughs> look at God. Come on, Doc. Was it instant love or did you have any anger or resentment? How does that? Oh, no, no anger, no mm-hmm. resentment. I was curious. One, that was a small, that's a small, small town. How did she, being a very popular person, an educator, how did they get down to Miami, Florida, 
for a period of time for her to have us, and she waited. She didn't just give us to anybody, to her credit. She waited to find the right person that said, I want you to have my sons. And then she went back, and she never told anybody. So I and my brother, we were a secret. Wow. This thing called life. Boy, them country secrets be different, don't they? <laughs> yeah, them, them, down, them down south dirt road secrets, boy. Lord no, no, they everywhere. All right, we have more with Les and John Leslie Brown. When we come back, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with motivational speakers, Les and John Leslie Brown. Now, Charlamagne? Do you, do you feel pressure following in your dad's footsteps? Not pressure. I feel, first of all, I feel like I, I hit the parent jackpot. Mm-hmm. I so many young men don't have their fathers in their lives. And my grandmother, Mrs. Mamie Brown, when DJ Envy talked about what, what dad might have been doing back in the day, right, right. Mamie Brown beat some sense into Les Brown. <laughs> <laughs> she made sure that he wasn't hanging out with gangs in the neighborhood. My grandmother, who adopted seven children who weren't, they weren't her own, her dream was to be a mother. And as a mother, she wanted to do everything to keep them safe. And I, because actually on uh, 1993, Mrs. Mamie Brown, she passed away on my birthday mm. from breast cancer. Mm, sorry to and hear. it was the first time, Charlemagne, that I ever saw my dad cry. Mm. He held her hand as she took her last breath. and. I was just turning 10 years old, you know, going into double digits. So I was learning from the adults around me how to be sad for the first time. Mm -hmm. But a couple days later during the funeral, they asked if anyone wanted to get up and share stories about Mrs. Mamie Brown. And there for the first time, I gave a speech (laughs) about my grandmother. I was shocked when he stood (laughs) up. I saw him walking down front. I'm saying, where is this dude going? (laughs) He can talk. (laughs) And and afterwards, my dad looked at me with hopeful eyes, Mm -hmm. and they probably had some dollar signs in them, too. (laughs) And he said, son, there's greatness in you. There's a calling on your life. Your Mm. voice will carry the torch to the next generation. Next week, I was on tour introducing (laughs) Les Brown. By the time I was 14, I was the highest paid teen speaker in America. So my dad didn't just sit me in the classroom, he sat me next to him in the boardrooms so that I could have access and exposure to create a better life for our for How our much family. was your dad paying you back then now, man? Oh, I had to earn my stripes, so <laughs> he didn't, he, no. It internship. He didn't, it was an internship. Yeah, internship. <laughs> but Don't tell him how much you earned, though. But yes, by the time I was 14, after just introducing him, mastering little short speeches with him, I got my first request, and by 14, I was making $2,500 an hour. And you have this book, The Harvard Effect. You got 10%? Yes, The Harvard Effect. (laughs) You got 10%? No, I I give it all to him. Oh, well, he was making 70,000 an hour, so he didn't need my 10%. 70 in the United States, 225,000 outside, an hour outside of the United States. Wow. And Ms. Angela asked about this book. Actually, mm-hmm. when I was a teenager, because I had an audience, I was on punishment for not writing a book. That's a different <laughs> level of standards. It's because dad knew business and he knew I had an audience. So many years later, we had an opportunity, we got a request to speak at Harvard University. 
And this was a big deal for me. Dad's moment was in the Georgia Dome speaking before 80,000 people. And what mine was at Harvard University. And I was working to find out how do you make a, a, a message relevant for this audience? And the one thing that really stood out to me was a story about my dad working with uh, the, the Microsoft. And after the speech, they said, hey, we heard you talking about your 10 and 20 year goals, Mr. Brown, that's cute, but we wanna show you something. Took him in the back room, pulled up a screen and said, this is where our family will be uh, in technology 100 years from now. That was humbling. And mm -hmm. so when you look at families that create massive wealth, generational wealth, and as you know, 70% of wealth is going by the second generation and over 90 by the third generation, I said, if it's good enough for the, the the Gates family and Toyota and Amazon, if they need 100-year plans, how can we create that in our community That's right. so that you don't just live your life, take all your resources with you, but you leave something behind for the next generation? Yes, and so the, what we're doing now is I, I would take you are my spiritual children. There is no success, as T.D. Jake says, without successors. That's right. And so there, there are experiences that I've, I've had that there are people being pushed up and people being pushed off. I, I believe even at 77, you're never too old to learn mm -hmm. and you're never too young to teach. And so I learn from you. I, I, I watch you. I, I've, I've seen some characters come up in here. <laughs> there was one brother, I wanted to take him out because I, you know, I, he came and he was very, very disrespectful. Oh, Birdman. I don't, I'm not calling a name because I'm 70 now. I got a good right, but I can't fight no more. <laughs> but, but, in, but, but in his defense, mm -hmm. he, we, what, what I might, may have said about him could have been taken as disrespectful too. I, I, I understand yeah. that, but when things go wrong, don't go with them. And, and make a decision on the side of love rather than on the side of anger. It's, you, you can get angry easily when Anger is a wind that blows out the lamp of the mind. Can you motivate an unmotivated person? Yes. Conduct communications intelligence. Ask questions. Find out their sweet spot. Find out what's keeping them up at night. And so I would talk mm. to that person to find out what drives them. What is it that they have something that they're interested in? And once I find that out, I want to find out when did they lose their voice? When, when, when is it that they lost their fire? We are all born, please believe this, with built-in greatness. But something happened that impacted us, that we never found a way, never got the help from somebody that can take us to a place in ourselves that we can't go by ourselves to help us deal with it so we can get past it. Mm because I believe that all of us are reachable, teachable, and redeemable. And all they need is somebody with a caring heart that will be patient enough to bring it out. Woo, Les Brown, that was a word this morning. Thank you, sir. John, thank you very much. Tell them how to contact y'all, man. Well, you, go ahead, John Les. Yes, uh, <laughs> you can go to hungrytospeak.com, hungrytospeak.com. That's the best way to work with Les Brown in our community of speak speakers who are transforming the next generation. My dad's very passionate about helping people get their voices out there. And they can also reach out at lesbrown at hungrytospeak.com.
yeah, to yeah. reach out to us. People who want one-on-one coaching. It's Les Big Baller Brown and John <laughs> Leslie Brown. <laughs> Thank y'all for coming. It's you the Breakfast Club. I'm gonna pray for you, my brother. Asalaamu <laughs> <laughs> alaikum. Don't burn the bacon. Don't burn the bacon. All right. Thank you for those brothers for coming. Now let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Naomi Osaka. This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee. Rumor has it. On the Breakfast Club. So listen up. All right. Well, Naomi Osaka's first press conference since her French Open controversy ended with her being very upset. She broke down in tears and she needed a break after a media member asked her an aggressively toned question. Now, here was that question. I would like to ask you if you are proud of being brave at that moment and all the people that you are inspiring. I wasn't really proud. I felt like it was something I needed to do for myself. I was a little bit embarrassed to go out because I didn't know if people were looking at me in a different way. But I think the biggest eye-opener was going to the Olympics and having other athletes come up to me and say that they were really glad that I did what I did. So after all that, yeah, I'm proud of what I did and I think that it was something that needed to be done. All right, now the person that asked her the question was from the Cincinnati Inquirer, Paul Dougherty. And later on during that press conference, she actually did break down in tears at a later question that was about Haiti. Uh, how the training has been and how your preparation has been for the for the summer hard court swing and the second one is just related to your tweet over the weekend uh related to what's going on in haiti um sorry no you're super good okay i think we're just going to take a quick break just uh we'll be back in one moment yeah, I didn't know anything about an aggressive question. I thought she broke down because she was asked about, you know, Haiti. Yeah, I mean, she's human and she's Haitian. I'm sure she got family over there. Absolutely. Haiti, Haiti well, can't get a break. Probably very overwhelming for her in that moment. Her agent said the bully at the Cincinnati Inquirer is the epitome of why player media relations are so fraught right now. Everyone in that Zoom will agree that his tone was all wrong and his sole purpose was to intimidate really appalling behavior. And this insinuation that Naomi owes her off-cart success to the media is a myth. Don't be so self-indulgent. Salute to all our Haitian massive man. Absolutely. Dropping the clues bonds for Haitians. Haitians some of the most loyal people you're going to meet. You hear me? Mm-hmm. Right, so I would assume that because her agent referred to Paul Dougherty and his question and and called him a bully, that was what she really was upset about. But she did take, I mean, her agent would know, right? I mean, I'm just w- watching the interview. I, when she got asked about Haiti, she broke down. Like, I would think anybody would when their home country just, you know, had a earthquake. devastating earthquake like yep. Haiti did. Right, so she was uh, very emotional. She actually walked out, but she did return to the, finish the session, and she did apologize uh, for walking out. And following the exchange, Paul Dougherty published a column. He noted that in the Zoom format, there's no room for discussion or nuance. And he said he wasn't sure whether she understood the question or if it made her uncomfortable. But he did praise her response and called it honest, thoughtful, and unlike any answer I've ever gotten in 34 years covering sports in Cincinnati. And she definitely does not have to apologize for her feelings. Not at like, all. And if you don't understand that, then you I don't know what to tell you about yourself. All right, now, Khloe Kardashian, there were rumors that she was reportedly taking Tristan Thompson back and that she is desperate to make it work, and he's once again promised to do better. 
Well, she has since uh, disputed those rumors, and she said that's not true. They are in each other's company a lot lately, but they are not together again, despite recent reports that have surfaced claiming that they are back on, and it's all a load of, quote, baloney. All right? So they're just co-parenting. And even though they took their daughter to a movie and they exit together looking like a happy family, they're just in close proximity because they have a child together. I hate people, man. My man's trying to get his family back together and y'all throwing salt in them. Let them live, man. Stop or he might not be. They might really just be co-parenting. Right, but let them live. Like, it's just people just do this and, and it just makes things worse. Let them live. It's none of your body. It's nobody's business but theirs. All right, now let's talk about Turk. He did an interview on Vlad TV and... He was talking about the older Cash Money members and the kissing and how Birdman would kiss him and Little Wayne when they were teenagers. And here's what he had to say. It's just like somebody hitting somebody on the ass. You know what I'm saying? When they playing <laughs> basketball, that don't mean they gay. Every male have some type of gay game that they play with their homeboy. But when you know your sexual preference, bro, it's like, what the f***? You feel me? But like I say, I understand the mindset of people today. You know what I'm saying? Like, being the age where I'm at now, I wouldn't play no type of games to mislead people to even think that gay. But um, if you're a real man, y'all know like every got inside jokes that they play with their dog. There was more to it. He said they would also kiss, um, you know, like kiss me like in front of the, their girls and stuff like that. What you mean? Like to show love to each other. They would was... kiss each other in front of their own girls? Yeah. And he said it was just like a... You know, tell me you like a, you know, love loving type of thing. He also said he wouldn't kiss his own son on the mouth. But do you have friends that play gay games? You? What do you mean? Like kiss each other? I'm going to be honest. Like I'm not a very kiss on the mouth with random people type of person. You got to be my man. My parents never did that to me growing up. So you have know. you ever seen uh, have you ever been around any guys who play gay games nobody's ever done that in front of me oh okay it would be weird if my boyfriend kissed like his homeboy or a father gotcha. figure in front of me you ever worked with any people who play yes. gay games oh, really what type of games <laughs> what do they do um oh there goes my alarm <laughs> gotta pay for my parking I don't kill oh man <laughs> but it's awkward oh, it gets man. very physical in front of me mm. That's all I can say. All right. <laughs> all right. It's awkward. You done? Are you finished? When I move, you move. Oh, just like that. All right. Well, thank Stand you up. for that uh, rumor report. Now, babe, who you giving that donkey to, babe? <laughs> I don't like how you say that to me. Okay? Babe, who you giving that donkey to? Oh, man. It's a Florida woman named Daniel Ferrero. <laughs> she needs to come to the front of the congregation. We would like to have a word with her. She was not playing no gay games. Okay? Right. But the game she was playing didn't land her in jail. We'll talk about it for after the hour. All right. That's next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. It's DJ Envy, and the General Insurance is all about flexible with their flexible payment plans and the ability to choose your payment date. Get the quality coverage you deserve at prices you can afford. Call 800-GENERAL or go to thegeneral.com. Some restrictions apply. Make sure you tell them to watch out for Florida, man. Florida, man. The craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida. Yes, you are a donkey. 
A Florida man attacked an ATM for a very strange reason. It gave him too much money. Florida man is arrested after deputies say he rigged the door to his home in an attempt to electrocute his pregnant wife. Police arrested an Orlando man for attacking a flamingo. It's a breakfast club, bitches. Donkey of the day. With Charlemagne the guy. I don't know why y'all keep letting him get y'all like that. Well, Lil Duval. Okay, why y'all keep getting y'all sales? Donkey of the day for Tuesday, August 17th goes to a Florida woman named Daniel Ferrero. All right, Daniel is 38 years old, and she's in jail right now. Uh, very important to note that she's in jail for something she did while visiting someone in jail. That shouldn't surprise you because she's from Florida. And what does your Uncle Shala always tell you about the great state of Florida? The craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida. Everyone knows this is true. It's not even up for debate anymore. Now, Danielle did something that if I was locked up, I would probably love for her to do. But not if it's going to cause her to end up behind bars as well. When you visit someone in jail, you have to remember you're visiting someone in jail. Okay? As in police, law enforcement. They're in jail for breaking a law. So the one thing you shouldn't do when you're visiting someone in jail is break the law your damn self. Okay? But that's how us logical people think. All right? These Florida folks, well, they think a little different. What is a rule in Florida? What is a law? In Florida. Nobody got time for that. And Danielle Ferreira really doesn't have time for that. What did she do? Let's go to SNN TV for the report, please. Hunter Gorda woman was arrested after pleasuring herself and flashing her breasts for an inmate at the Charlotte County Jail. During a video session, 38-year-old Danielle Ferrero and the Charlotte County inmate were engaged in a loud sexual conversation. Now, Ferrero began touching her private parts and rocking back and forth in her seat as a form of self-stimulation. She then lifted her shirt, exposing her breast to the inmate three separate times. Ferrero was arrested for exposure of sexual organs within a public place in violation of probation or community control. Exposing her breasts and masturbating during a virtual visitation session with an inmate. Now, I know she was in a separate building, you know, on the grounds, and I know it was virtual, but Miss Lady, you are still on the grounds of a jail. You can't do those kind of lewd acts at the same facility where the visit took place. Now, I understand you haven't seen your man, your man locked up, but you gotta control yourself because now you locked up too, and for what? Okay? Oh, actually, our producer said uh, she's no longer in jail. She was released, and her next hearing is September 1st, but she did get locked up. And I just gotta ask a question. Is it that serious? Could you not have done that at home over the phone? Could you not have mailed them some pictures, emailed them some pictures? I don't know how it works anymore. I haven't been in jail in years. Okay, I know dudes and women in jail with their own smartphones now. You couldn't get them a burner to send pics to? I just want to know what was so attractive about this man in this orange jumpsuit or whatever color the jumpsuit was in this jail that got you so open you had to get it popping with yourself right then and there. Okay, I don't know what got you so open, but I do know none of this is following proper COVID protocols. There's nothing else to do now except for play a game of Guess What Race It Is! Okay. All right, get my clues. Now, race usually doesn't matter because it's Florida, but Daniel Ferrero from Florida got put in jail for playing with herself on a jail visit. Envy, Guess What Race It Is! is. Oh, my goodness. Black. And why do you think this, sir? Uh, I've been seeing a lot of videos of uh, black women going to see their men and dancing outside the, the jails and stripping outside the jails. And Where are you seeing these videos? I've what? seen some of those. <laughs> On World Star. <laughs> okay, okay. 
Angela Yee. Daniel Ferrero from Florida got put in jail for playing with herself on a jail visit. Guess what race she is? Envy just swayed my opinion. <laughs> Because uh, I was going to say white, because just the name alone, Daniel Ferrero. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Italian or something. It does. Mm-hmm. But I'm um, going to say, but I have seen some of those videos. And we did see Lunell recently. Do the same thing. Oh. That's right. Lunell did the same thing. <laughs> right. Da- Lunell did expose her breast. But, but Lunell did it the right way because she was at home and they had a burner phone in right. the jail. She wasn't on the jail. This is bad, though. Not really. Because well, they can't get you locked up for that. You're not supposed I to have feel a like we're more that. like send pictures and stuff like that and, mm-hmm. you know, and do things like twerk outside. The... So I'm going to say what? Okay. Well, DJ Envy, well, Angela Yee, I will have to tell you that one of you is right and one of you is wrong. And today on Guess What Race It Is, Angela Yee, you are the winner! Daniel Ferrero is Caucasian! There you go. Mm -hmm. What do I win? I mean, just that you got bragging rights. Being right. <laughs> so you got Okay, it. you won today. All right. No, congratulations. All right. Well, thank you for that donkey today. Now, when we come back, Luda will be joining us. Luda Chris Luda. will be here. So uh, keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest on the line. Luda Chris. What up, what up? Fresh off of my Acura coming off your car show. Man. That's How you right. Feel? <laughs> well, thank you again. If you don't know, uh, Luda gave me, uh, I called Luda, I said I need a, a car for the car show. He said, how many you need? I just said, I just want the Acura legend for my paid in full section so people could see it. And people were so excited. It took a zillion pictures. So I want to say thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. All good, man. I've had that car now like two decades, man. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't know if you looked at the odometer, but that thing said over 252 thousand miles on it but now, how many cars drives. you get in your car show that have that many miles yes yeah. it still drives well i drove it from <laughs> the hotel to the car show and it drives still good no problems you wouldn't even know it had two hundred fifty thousand miles on it 100 percent, man that's why you gotta love things like that man mm-hmm. there are things that you have temporarily in your life and then there's things that you have for your whole life now are you a hoarder looter or is that just the one thing you holding on to because it has so much sentimental value are you a hoarder Man, such a great question, man. My wife will tell you, I am the worst when it comes to hoarding. And and not to not to brag and just saying that, you know, I have this dual citizenship and we just bought this home in, in, in Africa. But the good thing about me being a hoarder is our wife's family, they still live in Africa. So we have these containers and everything that I hoard that I don't use, we put on this container that goes across the water and I give it to everybody in Africa who's going to appreciate it you know, so much more than any family members or anybody I could give here in the United States of America. But to answer your question, I am the worst hoarder of all. What, what part of Africa you got a crib in? Gabon, man. Gabon, Africa. That's where the wife is from. You got? Do you have dual citizenship or you just bought a crib over there? I have dual citizenship, man. You can, you can look on the net. I think it was two years ago, the year of the return. As you know, I was in Ghana. We went to Gabon and, I, and they gave me citizenship. So... You know, it's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. That's part of the reason that we already starting by shipping these containers over there. And, you know, I, I humbly speaking, do a lot here with my foundation. But, you know, now that the channel is open for me to even do more over there, that's that's where I'm concentrated and trying to make sure I make a difference. No, that's smart, because I think we're going to have to get up out of America in the next 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 probably five to ten. So 
That's it, it's good to have the choice. It, it's good to have that choice, man. But I, I agree with you. It's a lot going on, man. We should have started off by saying congratulations right. on the new baby also. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that, that makes four daughters. Yes. Four daughters. That's ah. a blessing. What a blessing. It is, man. I'm going to be well taken care of when I uh, when I get older. A girl's you know, sons, they, they, they decide whether or not they want to take care of you. Uh, <laughs> your daughter's always going to be there for you. So I feel, I feel good about it. I've accepted this responsibility of just being a girl dad at this point. You know what I mean? I, it's not much I could do. Have you accepted the fact that you used to be a hoe in a past life? Now, I'm speaking from experience because <laughs> I have three girls myself. So I, I, I accepted my, I accepted, you know, hey, I was a hoe in a past life. It is what it is. Man, listen, I've 100% accepted that. Of course, I got songs about it, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I still <laughs> perform these songs, so it's all re reality. But, you know, the crazy thing is when, when people come up and tell me, oh, you know, that's that's your karma, that's, that's what you get, you got all girls. And it's starting to not make sense because I know a bunch of guys that were way more whores than I were. They got <laughs> sons, so explain that to me. Word. It has nothing to do with that at this point. Word. Are you, are you gonna go for the boy? Are you gonna keep going? You know what? I might, man. I might because my oldest just started at Spelman, man. So I have an adult. So I really, I have three girls. Re really, three younger girls, and then I have one that's she's on her way, man. She's doing great. Let's great, go, great, five great. girls. Let's do it. <laughs> Why you gonna put that on me? Right. Come on, Damn. Now we did want to talk about this campaign that you have going on with Jeff. So can we get into that a little bit? Absolutely. Whenever I do partnerships or you know uh, endorsements of such, everything that I want to do is just has to be a part of my everyday lifestyle. And you know, I, well, the one thing that I do, a lot of people don't know this. Every single day, we all have that one thing that we that we all probably eat every single day and you never get tired of it. And for me, it's peanut butter. I've been eating Jif peanut butter since I was a kid. So when they approached me about this campaign, I was like, absolutely. We do a lot of peanut butter juices at the juice bar, by the way. And so those are great meal replacements. And one of our top sellers is with uh, peanut butter, bananas, almond milk, and protein. That's right. That's my protein shake of choice right there. So, with Jif, by the way. Yeah, so people yeah. can make that at home too. But yeah, man, that, that's my go-to. So. The whole GIF campaign, um, the commercial, did y'all see the commercial yet? Yep. I mean, it's just right along the lines of everything that Ludacris does. Uh, Dave Myers directed it. He directed my stand-up video um, and a bunch of other videos from Missy. So it's like my favorite director to work with. And listen, we just have fun, man. If there's anything that is synonymous with Ludacris, it's fun. You and Gunna also. What's up with that? So how did that yeah. happen? So Gunner, man, we we went to Banneger High School, obviously at different times, um, <laughs> but <laughs> College Park, Georgia, where I still live, man, it, it's all I've talked to him plenty of times, and it was dope just to merge, you know, the the two generations together. I think Charlemagne, I think it was you that was just saying how dope it is when you know the generations don't hate on each other, but you come together and have conversation, and you mm -hmm. come together and you collaborate. Like when you have Hit Boy and Nas coming together and you have so many people, you see what can happen when you combine the best of both worlds. And and nowadays it's about experimenting with flows and it's about, you know, just having fun with it. And that's exactly what, what me and Gunna did. And we have so much in common. We actually doing some more things together. Now, now Luda, with, with, with crime at an all time high across the country, why would you jump out your car, leave your key yeah. in the car and go to the ATM? That's a great ass question. And, and <laughs> And there's nothing I can say about that. You know how we all make mistakes. And I was just coming from the islands and I was in the islands for a long time. 
sometimes you forget where the hell you at. The irony about this entire story, it wasn't even my car. I'm part of this program called Mercedes Benz uh, program, and they basically, they lend us these cars for two years. So it's probably part of the reason I was so careless with it. It wasn't even my vehicle, but I jumped out. And before I know it, yes, I left the keys in the car. I did it. I am not afraid to admit that I 100% made that mistake, man, but I'll never make the mistake again, but yeah. Did you have to take an Uber home after that? You know, you're sitting here with your phone in the car? Because usually when you leave right fast, you leave your phone in the car, you run out right fast. Nah, nah, man. I called my assistant. He was with. He was not far away. And then we got the car back in like an hour. Everything was good. The funny part about this whole story was that I had my, and they, I think they reported this, but I had my laptop and my iPad in the car. And so they turned off one or two of them but I was able to do to find my iPhone and track my, my stuff. And that's where I went and found it. And the crazy part about the whole story is that where they found my laptop, where I was able to track it to, they found like 20 other stolen items from a bunch of other people in the same spot. Wow. Damn. So it was because Ludacris' car got stolen <laughs> that I was able right. to help recover a bunch of other people's shit. So thank me for you're getting like a, me so you're fearless. like a superhero. Everybody gets to thank me for it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got more with Luda when we come back. Let's get into his joint. This is Butter ATL. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Luda, Charlamagne. I'm glad they did the commercial the way that they did it because I, I want you to talk about the importance of visuals because it's amazing to me that with the, the Luders and the Busters and the Missies, a lot of young rappers still don't understand the importance of visuals. And when you see rappers like the Baby Do It, you see the impact that it has. Yeah. Man, visuals is important, man. But it was one of those things where I was telling y'all, I think before, you know, pe some people are like, why don't they think I get the lyrical credit I do? So it could be a gift and a curse because one time Jay-Z, said, I don't think you get the lyrical credit because your visuals are so crazy. So sometimes it's over the top that people don't pay attention so much to your lyrics because you're such a dope artist and a dope MC. But on the other hand, like you said, it can make for a time frame where everybody is like, I love Ludacris videos. I love how much fun he has. I love the special effects. So, you know, for me, I love the special effects. And like you said, it's important. But a lot of artists, it's certain budgets that come with that. You know, some people <laughs> might not have the budget or can't afford how much it costs to, as you see in the commercial, my hair going from braids to afro and things like that. That shit ain't cheap. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it goes both ways. You know, our, our guy, Little Duval, I, I think I, I think I saw you speak about this, but he said that uh, the baby is the ludicrous of this generation. What, what did you, oh, yeah, what did you think of that? Man, I mean, I, I saw people give him a lot of slack for that. And I was just like, man, that's crazy because I understand where Lil Duval was coming from. In terms of have, everything we're talking about, having fun with your visuals and, and being playful and being slick with the lyrics and having subliminals, I can understand where, they, where he came from with that. But I think people were trying to compare, you know, my two decades in the game to, you know, however long the baby's been in there for like mm -hmm. two or three years. And, you know, I think he's a great artist. And uh, I, I've said that before. And I love the fact that he said he was inspired by my videos. And that's kind of like his take on a lot of things that he's done as well. Not only myself, he, he named a, a couple artists, but I was one of them. And so he already had paid homage, man. So I wasn't really tripping like that at all. The Lovers and Friends Festival. I see the world getting excited for this. This is different. This is a lot of artists. Are you involved in, in that or is it you're just performing? Because they, they took everything with you. Y'all the, the headliners. <laughs> Yeah, we're involved in it, man, and uh, Snoop is involved in it too. And to me, it seems too good to be true. It I don't want to say I'm, I don't. 
I was looking at the like uh, this is too good to be true. So if they both so, both the soul shows sold out. Um, I think that they're supposed to be adding a third one, but we'll see. But I'm like all those artists, y'all know damn well behind the scenes. I'm hoping that this comes together the right way, and and, I, and I'm feeling it too at this point in, in stage in life. I'm hoping that everybody is acting accordingly. Everyone is on time, but it seems too good to be true. Now, Luda, let's talk about let's talk a little more hip hop because we we had some discussions about the Mount Rushmore of ATL hip hop. Yeah. Who would be on the Mount Rushmore of ATL hip hop? Keep in mind what Mount Rushmore represents. Now, this is etched in stone. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. <laughs> so these are the four fathers of ATL hip hop, I guess. Founding fathers. Founding fathers, it's kind of easy for me just because Outkast is 100% going to be on there. I said Do that. they count as one or that's I, I, I think they count as one. one. You take one half of 3K head, one half of Big Boy head, put them together, you count as one. Definitely yeah. Outkast. Definitely Outkast. For me, definitely Goody Mob, you know, for, for helping pave the way. And that same, the organized noise, they just, all of that, that's just like 100% hands down. I, I praise them because if it wasn't for them, I, I don't feel like I would be in the position I was in. But see, I feel uh, like Outkast represents all of that. So when you put Outkast on there, well, go ahead, go ahead, finish your four, and I'll tell you why I feel that way. That's two. We got Outkast or Goody Mob. Outkast, Goody Mob. I'm definitely going to put myself on there 100%. Um, they paved the way for me. And then the fourth one, that's a damn good question, man. Um, there's so many artists from Atlanta. Sheesh. Man, I would have to say Jeezy, man. I love Jeezy, man. I got Little John. I got Jermaine Dupri, I got Outkast is one, and I got yeah. T.I. And, and and the reason I say those four is because it seems like everything from Atlanta in some form derived from one of those four individuals. T.I. is the trap music, Outkast is Dungeon Family, Goody Mob, yeah. Jermaine Dupri is the unofficial mayor of Atlanta, and Lil John gave you crunk. Absolutely. And by the way, I, I in no way feel any way bad about your <laughs> list that I'm not on it. Mm -hmm. So I respect that. And in about 50 years from now, I guarantee I'm going to do something that's going to out, <laughs> outlast the conversation of who's on your Mount Rushmore. That's all I'm saying. True. But true. I respect you. I respect your Mount Rushmore. Well, Luda, Luda, we appreciate you for checking in, brother. Hey, man. Thank you for having myself, my Afro, and my new GIF commercial, man. Listen, life goes on. Remember, last time we spoke about me being in a commercial was Bill O'Reilly taking me off of a campaign. Oh, that's and right. Years yeah. later, we're back in the commercials, baby. Hey. Let's go. We just getting started. That's right. <laughs> All right, it's Ludacris. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. It's about time. What's going on? Yeah. Rumor Report. Rumor Report. This is The Rumor Report. Talk to With Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, Kevin Durant and Draymond Green will be having a conversation on chips on Bleacher Report, and this actually drops tomorrow. And they'll be talking about their time at Golden State Warriors and what really went down, and they'll be settling an old feud. And this teaser, I think, has a lot of people excited. How much did our argument against the Clippers drive you to ultimately lead the Warriors? This is an incredible interview, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to go crazy. <laughs> Y'all want to see that? Yeah, of course. Oh, I definitely would watch that. Tomorrow, find out what really went down. So make sure, according to Bleacher Report, make sure you set your reminders on YouTube so you can see the full interview tomorrow. 
All right, now Marlo Hampton on The Real Housewives of Atlanta recently did get surgery. She got a hair transplant procedure to fill in her edges, and it actually left her bruised and swollen. When I first saw the picture, I was like, damn, what happened to Marlo? Here's what she said on Instagram Live. Thursday, I had a hair transplant, and I recorded most of it. I recorded them injecting it, and when it first one eye swelled and the other eye swelled, I tried to go and eat the next day, and I will say I was so weak. I couldn't even take it, but um, stay with my journey with it. And let's see if it's a if it if it was worth it. Cause baby, it was painful. That's yeah. gotta be traumatic though, right? It looked painful. Her she her eyes are black and blue underneath. And when women say it's worth it, what do you what does she mean by that? She, well, you know she wants to get her edges back. People want oh, nice thick you, edges, you, you. so you know how it is, right, Envy? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't act like you ain't never had no. Envy ain't had no hair transplant. I ain't got no hair transplant. Yeah, he just had that fake beard. <laughs> that fake but you know how important edges are, right? Charlamagne went no. He ain't got no edges. I definitely know. That's why I get a baldy. He ain't I don't got no edges, f- no middle or no back. That's right. I don't sit in nobody's <laughs> chair. I don't sit in nobody's chair and let them paint on me. I don't want to be nobody's canvas. Okay, Envy. All right. <laughs> you want me to paint on you? Nope. All right, now Iggy Azalea is asking for record labels to hire therapists for their artists. She said, I really wish record labels would all agree to make it mandatory to hire at least one psychologist per label. Almost every artist in recent times has expressed struggling with the level of hate and pressure. Sports teams do it for their athletes. Why not music labels? She's absolutely right. Also, yes, it may seem like, but there are so many labels. There's actually only about four guys running the entire music business, so it would be pretty easy to hold them accountable and make them implement a change across their business. Labels not, don't care about artists, though. At all. But not just record labels. Any business that, ha- that has employees, any business that has employees, any industry that has salaried employees should have therapists and counselors on it. It'll be like Billions. When you watch Billions, you know oh, how yep, they have the... Yep. Yep, she I never the watched it, but yeah. That's on Showtime, right? Yeah, they yeah. have therapists mm-hmm. in there to help the uh, employees. They feel like if the employees are healthier, they'll work hard. You're absolutely right. And health, and when you say healthier, mental health is part of good health. Yep. All right. You got to catch up on Billions, though, and start watching that. It's a great show. Uh, now, Dr. Phil is trying a new approach to therapy, and he's actually going to be on the road making actual house calls. The name of the show is House Calls, and it's a new CBS primetime show, and he was on TMZ Live. Here's what he said. I get to go spend like a week with these families in their homes, and what we do is only one person in the family knows I'm coming. And we have cameras there ahead of time because they think that they're only auditioning for a potential of a reality show for an interesting family. So when I walk in and they're sitting around in the kitchen and all of a sudden Dr. Phil's standing there and the reactions are pretty interesting. And we really dive into some very layered situations. You can't force therapy on people. That's intrusive. You know what I'm saying? I understand that the people in the uh, the family want their folks to get help, but you can't force it on people. Isn't that like an intervention? Uh, not with the cameras. Don't do it with the cameras rolling. If you're going to do an intervention on me because you really care, just do the intervention. Don't pull up on me with the cameras and Dr. Phil. It's like cheaters. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that. <laughs> not if I was really going through something. I wouldn't want my breakdown being documented. I guess you have to sign up for it too, though. Like you have to sign off. Obviously You're right. Why am I sitting acting like this real? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know better. You got to get location agreements <laughs> yeah, signed. You got to sign off on it. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I, I forgot. Why yeah. am I acting like this, this is a real? Why thing? are they arguing on love and hip hop? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now celebrities had some input after they named the new host of Jeopardy. 
The new hosts are Mayim Bialik and Mike Richards. Two so, hosts? Yes, there's going to be two hosts. They're going to split hosting duties. Mike is the new regular host, and Mayim will be standing at the lectern during primetime specials. So he was, I think he's like the pro- executive producer of the show, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they said he was the EP of the show. And, and she's from the Big to- Bang Theory. And so, yes. Why they let the brother do it? I know, LeVar Burton. But I saw Ava DuVernay said she wants to develop something for him, right? His own Didn't she show? say that? I don't know what it's going to be, but mm-hmm. he said, I have said many times over these past weeks that no matter the outcome, I've won. The outpouring of love and support from family, friends, and fans alike has been incredible. If love is the ultimate blessing, and I believe that it is, I am truly blessed beyond measure. Was he yeah. good when he was hosting it? Those, yeah, like, and people went, really went crazy for him. I think he got the most... Uh, feedback of people that wanted LeVar Burton to be the host. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Jeopardy probably not reading the room. Are they just looking at this situation and they're like, you know what? They probably already knew who they wanted. Exactly. Yeah. And they probably get higher ratings in like the Midwest. You know what I mean? Places like that in the Midwest don't want to see no black host. Every they single day. That's just the truth. And then also, I mean, Mike Richards is the executive producer. The fight is fixed, right? I don't know him. I know LeVar Burton reading Rainbow, so of course my vote would be with LeVar. I don't know none of them two people you just named, but that don't mean they're not qualified. I just don't know. All right, Salento. You know, Salento. he was arrested back in February for allegedly murdering his cousin. Well, a Georgia grand jury has now indicted him in that case on four felonies in total. Jeez. Yeah, so according to legal documents, they claim that he was charged a count of malice murder and another count for felony murder and charges for aggravated assault and gun possession during the commission of a felony. And... Yes, yeah, so that is the update on what's going on with Salento and following the murder charges originally, you know, his PR manager, Chanel Hudson, had claimed that he is suffering from a series of mental health issues, if you guys recall that. That's horrible. Mm-hmm. All right, Anderson Pack, he has a new tattoo that is warning against releasing music after he dies. Now, the tattoo says, when I'm gone, please don't release any posthumous albums or songs with my name attached. Those were just demos and never intended to be heard by the public. He has that whole tattoo on him now. So he, I guess, you know, he has... So there's no st- questions, huh? Yeah, there's he no questions. He wants to make sure. Nah, my it family wants to release. Nah, he told me he wanted it. No, on he his put arm. a tattoo. No, don't put my music out. <laughs> All right, well, that is your rumor report. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Now, Revolt, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Everybody else, the People's Choice mixes up next. Get your request in. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. It's DJ Envy, and the General Insurance is all about flexible with their flexible payment plans and the ability to choose your payment date. Get the quality coverage you deserve at prices you can afford. Call 800 General or go to thegeneral.com. Some restrictions apply. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, shout to uh. Les Brown and Les his Brown son, and John, son Leslie John Leslie Brown. Brown. Yes, you know, motivational Les, speakers. Les Brown is one of the biggest motivational speakers in the country. His son is uh, walking, walking in his footsteps with his father. So, uh, thank you for thank you both for coming this morning. All right, and also shout out to Ludacris for joining us this morning. Luda, and listen, salute to Anita Kopax. Uh, I'm gonna be in Marfa's Vineyard today for a couple of hours. Um, we're having an in conversation. And uh, it's an in-person and virtual event, but uh, we're having a conversation about her book, Shallow Waters, which came out uh, on August 3rd on Black Privilege Publishing. It'll be at uh, Salt MV in Edgartown, Martha's Vineyard today at 3 p.m. So if you're in Martha's Vineyard, uh, join us at Salt MV in Edgartown at 3 p.m. as me and Anita Kopax discuss Shallow Waters. And if you haven't gotten your copy of Shallow Waters yet, I don't know what you're waiting for, okay? 
It's a great book. Uh, I love what Beverly Bond said about the book. She said it's brilliant and original and shallow water so eloquently encompasses the messages that black women and girls need today. I concur. If you don't want to read it yourself, get it for your daughters. All right. But it's out everywhere you buy books right now. All right. When we come back, we got the positive note. Don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. I just want to shout again to everybody who uh, got their, so their tickets early for Carchella Detroit and Carchella Miami. These are the last two of the year until next summer. And I just want to thank you guys. So Detroit, we're doing it uh, October 30th. That's the day before Halloween. So if you want to take your kids to a safe environment, you ain't got to worry about the elements outside. You ain't got to worry about nothing but just being safe in a great place. You can uh, get your tickets to Carchella, Detroit. We're going to have uh, candy for the kids. It's going to be like trunk or treating. And then we're going to do it's going to be car show style. So celebrity cars, exotic cars, Lambos, Ferraris, uh, you name it. Old school cars, the dunks, all the stuff that uh, the Detroit car culture loves. And we're going to do the same thing in Miami. So I can't wait to see you guys. Click the link in my bio for tickets. And, of course, we'll have amusement rides, carnival games, face painters, all the stuff. So kids under five are free. And uh, come on out. Wear your costumes. And we're going to have a great time in Detroit. I'm going to bring my kids out. They're going to be, I'm sure my wife's going to have everybody matching somehow, some way. I know how she does. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Right? I think you should get your face painted. Um, I'm not mad. I, I do all the stuff. Like, I, you know, I do the double dutch and I go down, go down the slides with the kids, the Ferris wheel. I like, I have Can fun. I paint it? Yeah. And you should scream out, paint me while he does it. <laughs> paint me. <laughs> can, I, can I paint? I'm real. I'm mean with the water paint, bro. All right. What you going to paint? Just trust me. Trust me. It's but you got to wipe the paint you already got off with that oh, beard. Wipe that black shut off. Up, I, need a, I need a fresh canvas. Is this, is this one of these games that Turk was talking about earlier today? <laughs> I mean, depends if you get yeah, I don't think so. Oh, okay. It's just a man putting paint on your face with a little brush. While you go, paint me. Paint me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that is so crazy. <laughs> I'll pay to see that. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody doing that? You paint a man painting somebody's face and the guy's going to paint me. <laughs> Leave us on a positive note. Oh, my God. This is one of my favorite quotes from Bob Marley. Bob Marley said, The greatness of a man is not how much wealth he acquires, but in his, but in his integrity and his ability to affect those around him positively. Breakfast club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done?